It's been my experience that there are a few different types of hugs. There's the, the hesitant hug, where you don't know if someone wants to hug or shake hands, or, and so you're kind of playing that dance until you iron it out real quick. There's normal hugs, I think, whenever you see family or friends, you know, that you are just kind of good to see you again. And then there are those, those hugs where if we haven't seen someone that we love for a good long while, then we give a much tighter hug, right, almost a bear hug, uh, just to, to, to be able to, to the, the, the expression of affection that's shown and how much we have missed the individual, perhaps, uh, by virtue of uh, the, the strength by which uh, we embrace them. And that came to mind as, we were, uh, as I was reflecting on these readings this weekend, because the, the reading from Sirach, the book of, that book of, of you know, incredible wisdom for living the Christian life, even though written prior to Christianity, it's a book that, that encourages us in many practical ways. And today it begins with that reminder to us of those who, who hug tightly to malice and anger, to unforgiveness and resentment, we might say, following the lines of the gospel. They hold it tightly. They embrace it. It's not just kind of a, 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 kind of a tenuous relationship with it or, or even kind of a common fare, but, but a, 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 an intensity to it, it seems, to hold it tightly, to hug it close to oneself. And of course, our Lord strongly cautions us against such a thing. In the gospel, he tells us the story as Peter comes to him, and, and Peter comes to offer some, some inquiry. You know, everybody likes to put questions to Jesus. I think all of us have our questions we would like Jesus to answer for us whenever we get to the pearly gates and enter into the kingdom. And so Peter comes with his question, Lord, if, if my brother offends me, if he sins against me, should I forgive him seven times? And seven times was, was kind of a generous thing. According to the culture of the day, it would, seven is a generous number. It would normally be, you know, two, maybe three. And so Peter here, kind of expressing his generosity, kind of going above and beyond what the culture of the world would say. And our Lord says, well, good, you're, you're, you're trending in the right direction, Peter, but, but not seven times, but 77 times. Whereas I think St. Luke's Gospel says 70 times seven, which is a far greater number. But it's to acknowledge that our blessed Lord comes and, and gives this encouragement for the extent to which we should show mercy to others when they sin against us, when they offend us in some manner. That simply being kind of a, an infinite number, really, when it comes down to it, symbolically speaking, that our Lord gives. And as he offers it, he also gives this parable, the parable of the one who had a, a, a huge amount that he owed his master, and yet because he begged him to, it was forgiven. It was forgiven entirely. That's an, an important point because the man didn't say, just forgive all of it, please. He said, give me time and I'll pay you back. And the master, in his, in his excessive generosity, says, don't even worry about it. It's entirely forgiven. You can go on about your life. Far beyond what was even expected by the man. And then he goes forth and sees a fellow servant who owes him a much smaller amount, a very much smaller amount. And he, because he, having malice within his heart towards the man, hugs him tightly with his hands around his neck, we might say, 
He tries to strangle the man and chokes him, demanding he give back the little bit of money that he owes him. And when this man says the same words exactly that this other servant who was choking him had just said to his master moments before, he is met with a negative response. And this fellow servant is put in prison. The hardness of heart of the man is the great question because this is the challenge that's put to us is our Lord doesn't tell stories just for, just for fun. It's always instructive to us. And this particular parable is what often happens in his parables is he compares us to the Lord and then us to one another. The us to the Lord part is we are the ones who go and owe the Lord a huge amount that we can never repay. All of humanity, for all of history, all living as virtuously as humanly possible would not have the grace or the ability to save a single one of us. That's our, that's our starting point. That's the debt that we owe, is we cannot ever save ourselves. We can never free ourselves from the fires of hell and ransom ourselves for the joys of heaven. It is not a thing that we can do. And the Lord shows us an infinite mercy in forgiving us all of our sins and allowing us to have that joy, to have that peace, that freedom that is offered to the children of God. But then, if we have malice against a brother or a sister, if we hold tightly to anger, if we do not extend forgiveness, then it will be counted against us. And as Sirach says, all of, this, all of the details of our sin will be remembered against us, and it will be executed in judgment because we ourselves have not been willing to show mercy. It's imperative that we show mercy, if we would have heaven, at least. And this is what our Lord reminds us too, whenever he gives us the singular prayer that Jesus Christ taught us. And so it must be taken with great, great you know, kind of uh, seriousness of mind and heart, and to pray, pray it fervently and, and genuinely from our hearts. But he includes in there that line, that is a fearsome thing if we have malice in our hearts. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. In the same manner that we forgive those who trespass against us is a more accurate translation. If we are unwilling to forgive, we tell the Lord over and over and over again, Lord, please don't show me your mercy because I'm not willing to give. So, it is then important for us to show mercy because the debt that is owed to us by any other person who may offend us or wound us in whatever manner is always of an infinitely smaller amount than what we have against the Lord. And so, He has been generous to us, and so we must be generous as well. And there are a couple of points that are important for us when we reflect upon this aspect of mercy. What Jesus does not say in the gospel is, forgive them when they ask for it, or forgive them when they show that they are sorrowful. He doesn't add that clause in there. He simply tells us to forgive, to show mercy. And it's especially important for us to show mercy whenever they will not ask for it 
whenever they think that they have done nothing wrong, whenever they're, in fact, perhaps proud of what they've done, even though it is offended and wounded. In those places, too, it does not then give us a right to hold fast to our anger or malice, but is for us to extend it even when they don't want it, to know that our heart is freed, even if theirs might still be in bonds, that there is mercy bestowed by our hearts because we've been first recipients of it. And so it is for us to ensure that, that we don't allow ourselves to hold on to malice in any way, hold on to unforgiveness or resentments, simply because they have not approached us yet, but it is for us to be willing to approach them either in person or at least in spirit and heart to forgive, to be willing to show love. And this too is the second point, that forgiveness is not a feeling. Indeed, malice and anger can be emotions that arise within us, anger especially being one, but it's what we do with these things that are the important piece. We can still have anger arise within our heart and yet be working on forgiveness. Forgiveness is being willing to choose the good of the other, to seek the good of the other, to work for the good of the other who may have offended us in some way, with whom we may have some disagreement or some lack of union. It's for us to be willing to love them, to desire their good rather than their ill, their blessing rather than their curse. To allow these things is to know that forgiveness is underway within our hearts. And thirdly, to acknowledge that forgiveness is not always a quick and easy thing. Our body and our soul are intimately connected. We are unique beings in the creation of the world because we are both spirit and flesh. All the other creatures are either merely flesh or merely spirit, but we are um, fantastic union of the two. And so it's helpful sometimes to think about the physical realities to help us understand spiritual ones or vice versa. In this case, we understand that a paper cut heals much more quickly than a large gaping wound, or a sprained ankle heals with much greater ease than a compound fracture. And so much the same in our soul. When a, soul, when a soul has been wounded by another, on account of sin, on account of, of you know, these resentments and anger and the malice that may arise within hearts on a, in response to things that have happened to us or to those that we love even, very often in those places, it's the same fact that if it is a small thing, we can often forgive, move on, and, and all is well within minutes. But if it is a more serious thing, it can take a good long while. But it is for us to ensure that we are willing to move in that direction continuously, even if we're not able to perfectly forgive in the exact moment where we begin, it is to tend in that direction. Sometimes it is, it is all that we can muster within our hearts. There can be so much anger or resentment or malice or unforgiveness within us. The most that we can muster is, Lord, let me want to forgive them because I don't even want that. Let me want to forgive. Or perhaps whenever one wants to forgive, Lord, let me act like I want to forgive. 
let me actually show some of these things in some concrete way. Whenever one is, is able to do that, and Lord, let me forgive even more. Let me, let me not simply to, to have some, some hardness in my heart towards them, even if I am perfectly charitable in, in all external actions, but Lord, even soften my heart towards them so that, so that even the, the thing that, that arises within me, even that thing can be healed. And so as to allow our Lord to continue to bring his healing and restoration to our hearts, to our souls, in the midst of all of these things, will we forget? Very likely not. But in that place is actually an opportunity for even more grace. Because if we simply forget, then we don't have to exercise greater charity. But if we remember the ills that someone has done to us and show them love, even in the, place, even in the face of these things, there's greater merit to that. There's greater grace. Jesus didn't just kind of close his eyes and hope that, you know, hope that he would forget what was happening around him whenever they were persecuting him. He stayed there looking at those who were around him and said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And it's for us to be willing to do the same. And so as we offer this Holy Mass, we give thanks to the Lord for this word that calls to mind the importance of mercy, first and foremost, that we ourselves have received, the mercy that should allow our hearts to rejoice at every single moment, to stay close to the good Lord, but also then that word that encourages us to, to reflect within our own mind and heart today and to see, is there any space, is there any place where even the smallest amount of malice or anger or unforgiveness or resentment still resides? and to be able to turn to the Lord and beg for His grace, to beg for His mercy to continue to pour out upon us, to strengthen us, to be able to show mercy as we have first received it.